Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Good morning, gang, and Merry Christmas to you. The weekend is here. This Christmas weekend, what a lovely weekend. It's just quite chilly. I guess it's downright cold. It has been. You know, I always say every weekend, any day is a great day to get outside, but sometimes it is a little too cold. But I still think that today is a great day to get us even more into the holiday spirit as far as gardening is concerned and continue talking about plants that remind us of Christmas for one reason or another. Some of these plants we've talked about have been great plants for Christmas trees. That kind of goes without saying why they're associated with Christmas. Some of them are steeped in folklore and history to celebrate holiday seasons and some are evergreen, which they kind of naturally become a part of Christmas because if you have leaves all year, if you have leaves in the wintertime, then they can be used as decoration, making wreaths and centerpieces, garland, the list goes on and on for evergreen plants. Some of them we've talked about have berries, so you get uh, like the hollies, the evergreen leaf with a red berry, gives you that real great Christmassy feel. So today we are gonna continue that discussion because, well, tomorrow's Christmas. So we have to get some inspiration during the winter. We've got to get some ideas flowing when it's so cold to be working outside. We were, of course, open at the nursery yesterday. We're closed today through Monday. But uh, it was cold. <laughs> it was windy, too. And so those kind of conditions don't you know, inspire us to be outside. But while we're cooped up inside staying wind-free and chill-free. We can use those moments to learn about more plants, research about gardening, cuddle up with a good book, or in this case, cuddle up with the radio, or however you're listening to us. Maybe you're listening to us uh, online. Cuddle up with the computer or the smartphone device. And let's just talk about some inspiring plants to push us closer to those long-awaited days of spring. They'll be here soon enough. But let's use the time we have now wisely. So this morning, we're going to continue that conversation about Christmassy plants. Plants that, for some reason, remind us of Christmas, are associated with Christmas. I just think that uh, there's some wonderful plants that, if you don't have them in your landscape then it's a good idea to take this time to start making a list, just like Santa Claus, and be sure to check it twice. Maybe you already have some of the plants that we talked about last week, like poinsettia, of course. Definitely a house plant in our area. The hardiness zone can only go as far north as nine, so we'd have to be way south to uh, 
enjoy that outdoors, but enjoy those poinsettias inside. Of course, Holly's uh, very hardy. They can definitely go up into zone five. And of course, if you're in six, seven, eight, you're just in line for Holly's. And we talked about we did talk about an invasive plant that I did not encourage you to grow outdoors last week, English ivy. Ivy itself, just like Bing Crosby's song, the holly and the ivy. Uh, it, it goes along with Christmas, but it shouldn't be in the landscape. Uh, I draw a line. You know, you can grow the, hot, the, the ivy. Just be sure to put it in a pot, a container, so it does not escape the cultivation. Christmas cactus, another great indoor plant, particularly this time of year, that should be placed outside in the summer, but under some shade. Uh, amaryllis. We, we use amaryllis uh, bulbs to force some flowers over the winter. And this time of year, you may see in garden centers, some of the, uh, some of the nurseries where some amaryllis are, are, are being forced to bloom. You can really do that all winter long. Same with paper whites. And, and we ended last week with a fruiting tree, the pear tree. And why is that associated with Christmas? Well, of course, Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without a partridge in a pear tree. But you don't have to grow birds <laughs> to grow pears. Pears are great trees, uh, fruiting trees, but they're very ornamental with blooms in the spring and great fall color later on. And, of course, those fruits are very long-lasting. They can be stored in a, a, a fruit cellar, a root cellar, not a fruit cellar, a root cellar, or in the fridge, somewhere cold, somewhere chilly, uh, somewhere around 40 degrees would be wonderful, and they'll last uh, through most of the winter so you can have fresh fruits from your trees all winter long but today we want to go with some more plants um, the first plant plant I want to talk about today is called juniper and you know juniper as a matter of fact you may have a bad taste for juniper just because back in the 90s uh, juniper in general got a bad name because landscapers were growing them everywhere we're, we're planting them everywhere they're easy to produce easy to grow they don't need a lot of maintenance per se but as they age uh, particularly the ones that were being used in the 90s um, 80s and 90s and early 2000s they got very wide so it was a great shrub because it didn't get very tall but they did get wide and what people discovered was that uh, uh, they tend to grow together because of course we're planting them too close together uh, I mean, some of these junipers may get three or four feet tall, but they could get six and eight feet wide. So because of that experience, people got a bad taste for juniper. They just had left a bad taste in the mouth. And a, a lot of people associate juniper with snakes. Now, I don't know. I've worked with plenty of juniper and mature juniper in people's landscapes. And never come across a snake. I'm not saying that a snake couldn't grow under some juniper shrubs. Because they very well could. They, they would love to have the shelter. But there's other places that snakes would like to live too. So it's not that junipers attract snakes. It's probably just kind of an, becoming an old wives' tale uh, that people are associating junipers with snakes. Uh, so that, that always throws me off a bit. I'm like, I don't know why we think that juniper is going to attract them. But any hiding place is wonderful for a snake. Well, enough about snakes. Let's talk more about the benefits of juniper. Of course, juniper are associated with Christmas because of those evergreen needles that they have. Now, there are plenty of varieties, of, of species of juniper, cultivars of junipers. As a matter of fact, we have a native juniper 
that normally we don't call it juniper. And that's called eastern red cedar. The eastern red cedar that you and I commonly call it a cedar is not a cedar at all. It's actually a juniper. Now, it probably gets the name because, of course, the wood itself of the eastern red cedar looks like cedar, smells like cedar. It has those that red coloration like many cedars might. And, of course, we uh, associate that with long, long-lasting long wood. So back in the day, uh, folks would use juniper or eastern red cedar, our, our native uh, juniper, as fence post. They would cut down the tree and, and use them because they do last a long time. They have some of that um, uh, preventative, natural preventativeness against rot and decay, and perhaps even insects. I remember at the nursery, I don't know if you know this, but uh, at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, where you can find me throughout the week, we had an existing farmhouse that was built probably in the 40s on site, and we converted that into an office, so there's some history there. But the, um, the closets in this house were lined with rough-cut eastern red cedar planks, and of course, we like to have dressers made of cedar. It's supposed to keep away insects and bugs, moths, and whatnot. But it was interesting to find so many of these. I mean, they were antique at this point. They were ancient, <laughs> these panels of cedar. So we saved as many as we could and, and tried to repurpose them and holding on to them for repurposing. But uh, regardless, this is the cedar we're talking about. And it does have that Christmassy, or that juniper we're talking about, <laughs> does have that Christmassy fragrance, that Christmassy um, spruce tree, right? Fir tree, that coniferous fragrance. Just this week, I was making some cuttings on some conifers, uh, not necessarily juniper, but I was just surrounded by that fragrance of Christmas. And so if anything, junipers are great for Christmas because they have those evergreen needles, great soft texture, small little leaves, they can easily be trimmed off of a plant and brought indoors to make those centerpieces, mix them with hollies, the big leaves of the hollies, the berries on the hollies, and they can really add to the fragrance indoors as well. Now, there are some junipers that we grow in the South that aren't native here. Uh, there's the Chinese junipers. Juniperus chinensis, I think it is. Uh, I have to double check that, but it's chinense or chinensis. Regardless, the Chinese juniper works well too. It doesn't mind the conditions that we have here in the South. A lot of Chinese plants actually grow really well in the Southeast, sometimes a little too well. But the Chinese junipers come in different forms. There's upright, uh, which of course would be kind of that classic Christmas tree look. And then there is also the um, low-growing, spreading forms. But I will have to say that probably some of my favorites are the eastern red cedars and their cultivars. That group of junipers just has so much genetic variety. Um, at my garden, at my house, at our property, we've got a ton of naturally growing eastern red cedar. I've never seen this many in one location. It's funny, when you're looking at plants that are growing naturally in the wild, if you look at your county, you'll find pockets of areas, streets that may be lined and, and covered with certain plants that aren't as prolific in other places. Where, where I live now is not far, maybe just about 18, 15 to 18 minute drive through the country uh, to where I grew up. And over there, there were a lot of beech trees. I remember the woods were just littered, just filled with wonderful beech trees. But I rarely saw an eastern red cedar. 
And now, at the house I live at, there's a ton of eastern red cedar and not one beech tree. So you have these microclimates when you're talking about native plants, things that work well in uh, slopes and uh, bottomland or on ridges and small hills or mountains that may not grow in other little areas. They could grow, they're just not naturally populating that area. So we've got a ton of these eastern red cedars uh, at our house. And of course, there are every one of them is different. That just shows you the genetic variety. And so in the landscape, we're selecting, or in the nursery industry, we're selecting for some of these unusual uh, colors. So some of the eastern red cedars are very green, but some of them are quite blue. Uh, We grow one at Lanier Nursery and Gardens called Sky Rocket, and it's an eastern red cedar that actually looks a lot like Italian cypress. It has that blue, gray-green foliage, and it's very narrow, two or three feet wide, Uh, when it's mature, but it's very tall, could be 20 feet or taller. And that would be a great replacement for the Italian cypress, uh, which of course has some disease issues here in the South. So the point is, is that when we look at this group of junipers, we have low spreading varieties, tall, upright, narrow, pencil-like, and a variety of colors. Some of the Chinese ones, uh, they've got yellow foliage, Well, yellow and green, but right on the tips, bright golden. There's one called gold lace juniper that is just wonderful. And if you were growing these, these different varieties, blue greens, yellow greens, uh, dark greens, when it comes Christmas time, you can easily go out, collect some trimmings, some cuttings from these junipers, bring them indoors, and you've got a splash of color just from one group of plants alone. But the uh, junipers in general are very cold hardy. As far as growing and what they need, they can grow as cold as zone four and still survive. Now, folks, that's like up in Wisconsin area. Okay, very cold hardy. They really don't grow much beyond zone eight. Uh, You would not normally see them in in Florida. Uh, I'm sure there's there's a line down there, you know, where they could grow just fine. But as soon as you get into nine and ten, it's just a little on the hot side and they don't mind a cold winter. That's for sure. So we've got ground cover type junipers. We've got tree type junipers. We've got bush and shrub and broad very wide type junipers. But regardless, all of these junipers can handle um, dry soil. Now, they need soil to be fairly moist while they're young, but they're very drought tolerant as they get older. The, The upright forms may need a little staking, but remember, don't ever keep a tree staked for longer than six months. Well, gang, when we get back from this break, we're going to talk about more plants that are, for some reason, associated with Christmas, have some Christmassy ideas about them. So hang on tight. We'll get back to more Christmassy plants in a moment. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at newsoutherngarden.com. 
where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone. So get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. Welcome back to today's program here on New Southern Garden. We're getting in the holiday spirit and getting excited about plants. <laughs> Who's not excited about plants? Today we're talking about more plants to continue our conversation from last week that are associated with Christmas for one reason or another. They have connotations that go along with Christmas, some for historical reasons, and of course some because of how they grow. They, they may be evergreen, so of course they keep their foliage all winter long. That makes them attractive for Christmas time. Some of them have great fragrance. We were just talking about the junipers, uh, which don't give junipers a bad name. Just because in the past we overused them in our landscapes, we were probably using the wrong ones, planting them too close together, planting them too close to houses and structures. But junipers are great plants because they're very drought tolerant once they're established which means you don't have to constantly be watering them in our hot and dry southern summers. But when it becomes Christmas time, you take those cuttings of the juniper, bring them indoors, make some bouquets, make some arrangements, centerpieces, wreaths, garland, and you get that sprucey, cedary smell. Very Christmassy. Another plant that we need to talk about, we've talked about this plant before, but it is a good Christmas plant because it's evergreen and even more so it's got a fragrance that can be used for the holiday season and it's got culinary purposes too of course holidays and cooking go hand in hand and this plant can give you some wonderful fragrances and flavors uh, for your dishes that is the rosemary now rosemary is actually in the salvia family salvia ro rosemarinus <laughs> So rosemary, like a salvia, can handle hot and dry. Wonderful for the South. But when it comes to growing rosemary in the South, you've got to make sure that it doesn't get too cold in your area for rosemary. Rosemary really is hardy in zone eight. However, it can grow in seven with maybe some protection. Put it on the warm side, plant it close to a structure, to a house, and over winter, it should be just fine. But if we get down like we did this weekend, some places single digits, right? You may want to protect that plant in the very coldest parts. Now, there's never a question, no matter where you live, about growing rosemary in a container. Containers are wonderful for rosemary because, again, they don't want to stay wet. And sometimes our soil... Our clay soil, if you live in an area like me where we've got that classic Georgia red clay, uh, that clay soil can stay wet over winter if it's not well draining. And that is going to be the biggest culprit. Having the cold uh, winter temperatures plus wet can really rot out rosemary plants. But if they're grown in a container, they can be kept on the drier side. You've got to remember that these rosemary plants, they are essentially Mediterranean plants. And in the Mediterranean, Mediterranean, they have hot and dry. But here in the south, we have hot and essentially wet. Now, there are some periods where we go through some uh, 
dry times, some drought situations. But in general, we get 52 inches of rain a year on average in our area here in northeast Georgia. Now, 52 inches, that's an inch a week. In the Mediterranean, you're just getting a few inches a year. So you see the dramatic difference that it can hold. So we want to make sure that whether it's in a container or whether it's planted in the landscape, first of all, that it doesn't stay too cold. Easy for a container to not stay too cold over winter because a container can be moved. You can bring it inside, bring it to a sunroom, stick it in the garage for a couple of days while the uh, cold, cold is, is hanging around. Then wheel it back out when it warms up a bit. But of course, the other thing is keeping it not too wet, keeping rosemary not too wet. So even though rosemary is frost sensitive, we have found that rosemary works well around Christmas for another reason, because rosemary is very responsive to pruning. You can trim rosemary all the growing season long from spring up to early fall, and it will respond to that trimming by flushing out, putting out new growth. So with that in mind, we can trim rosemary plants to resemble Christmas trees, kind of that classic Christmas tree cone shape. And when they're trimmed like this, they look like a mini fir tree because their leaves are needle-like. They have long, slender, very thin leaves, very great texture, fine texture. And so because they're evergreen, because they maintain those thin needle-like leaves all year, we train them like a Christmas tree, trim it well. And by Christmas time, if you trim it from spring through summer, by Christmas time, you've got yourself a mini Christmas tree. (laughs) And you'll see them in box stores too, uh, not just nurseries, but you'll see uh, these Christmas tree-shaped rosemaries that are even pre-decorated. They'll put little ornaments on them, little bows, a little ribbon, maybe a little tinsel, you know, get in that holiday spirit. But regardless, these um, rosemaries smell great too. Whenever you're trimming them, whenever you are uh, pruning them, uh, we just brought a bunch into the greenhouse to prepare for this very cold weather uh, this week. And the entire greenhouse, just because we were moving them around, sort of uh, shifting the leaves a bit, that releases those rosemary oils, and it just filled the greenhouse with rosemary. As a matter of fact, the next day, one of the workers who didn't help us move the rosemary, uh, he came in, he said, wow, the greenhouses smell like rosemary. And they do, and your entire house could smell like rosemary. It's just great fragrance, unique, definitely unique. Um, but when you're growing them outdoors, well, they need to be grown outdoors during the summer, that's for sure. They need a lot of sun. I, I should have mentioned that. Rosemary needs a lot of sun. Again, they like it hot. They don't mind it. dry spells one bit. But as far as sun, at least six hours, if you can give them six to eight or more, they will be very dense, very thick, and very full. Uh, and you'll have plenty of branches, leaves, stems to trim from to bring indoors and get some holiday cooking going on uh, in this time of year. If you grow it indoors, I would just be sure to put it in the brightest sun you have. Um, don't maybe put it in direct sun. It's always a, a fine line when we're growing stuff indoors. Uh, a bright window, let's call it that. Maybe bright but indirect light. That should be sufficient, especially um especially over winter. If you want to grow it indoors all year, you know, there's some great little uh, gadgets and gizmos about growing herbs inside. Definitely grow lights. Definitely grow lights. If you plan to grow rosemary as an herb indoors on the countertop or in one of these new contraptions for indoor growing, 
Most of these have a grow light installed, but be sure that if it doesn't, you bring in as much light for that plant as possible. Okay, now an- another plant. This one actually blooms, which rosemary blooms, but in the summer. So this plant blooms around the time of Christmas, and that's camellia. You and I have talked about camellia before. You know that camellia is a great plant for the south because they can go to about zone seven. Um, you probably could push it into six, but a very heavy winter. You know, every 10 years we have a, 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 a freezing spell that's way below what we usually have. So you may have some damage, but uh, quite cold hardy to zone seven for sure. Now there's different kinds of camellias and if uh, you would like to know how camellias are split up and what groups they are in uh, don't have enough time today to talk about it but you can check out some previous episodes or shows of uh, new southern garden online at newsoutherngarden.com we've got a couple of shows i'm sure that uh, uh, talk about camellias i do bring up camellias from time to time because it's a classic southern plant but you can find even more details um, on some previous shows at newsoutherngarden.com but the camellia, the Sasanqua camellias in general, they tend to bloom this time of year. Now, unfortunately, in our area, I find that they've already bloomed. So I always say they bloom before Christmas, but usually it's around October up until Christmas, maybe. Um, if we have just the perfect win- uh, fall like we did this year, it was nearly perfect, I would say, uh, that encouraged the Sasanqua camellias to bloom super early. But there is a variety called Yuletide Camellia. Now, Yuletide Camellia gets its name, that Yuletide, because it's red with green, red flower, green leaves. The flower has yellow center, so the color looks very Christmassy. But it's supposed to bloom a little later, pushing towards Christmas. However, I'll say that the Yuletides we've had at the nursery, they've already bloomed out. They've already bloomed out. They're past their peak. But after this break, we will talk more about camellias and how to grow them for the holidays. Hang on tight. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, Merry Christmas to you gardeners and your families. The big day is just one sleep away. Just one more sleep until Christmas. And old Saint Nick is going to come squeezing his lubber down the chimney. (laughs) And he's going to be giving us all these wonderful presents. Well, today I wanted to give you a present. A bunch of, of plants we've been talking about that go along with Christmas. We did some last week. We're finishing up today. Now, these plants, of course, may be evergreen. They may have red flowers like the uh, plant we were talking about before the break. We're going to finish that up in a second. But these plants are, some of them make great house plants. Some of them are wonderful landscape plants. So we're doing a mixture, mixture of different plants to get you in the holiday gardening spirit. 
And before the break, we were talking about camellia. And like I said, we, we don't have enough time to go into the differences of these camellias. There's camellia sasanqua and camellia japonicas, the Japanese camellias, and they bloom at different times. But just know that this one we're talking about, Yuletide camellia, got its name for Christmas because it's supposed to bloom later, pushing towards uh, Christmas. This year, they sort of already bloomed out, at least at the nursery they have. And they've got this dark green leaf. All the camellias have dark green leaves with some beautiful flower color. The Yuletide happens to have red petals and yellow centers. How much Christmassy, how much more Christmassy could you get? So with that in mind, camellia is this evergreen shrub that gets quite large. Definitely six feet, but many of them can push into the 10 and 12 foot, some maybe 14 feet, but they don't have to stay that high. They can easily be kept smaller, more tame. Uh, if, if you have a camellia that's quite mature and it's way too tall for you right now, well, no worries. After winter is over, late winter, early spring, you can literally cut camellias down to the ground with a chainsaw, if it's that large, <laughs> take it down to the ground, and by the end of summer, you will have new shoots and what appears to be a more tame, shrubbier bush. So camellias are wonderful plants for many reasons. They can make great screens because they're thick and evergreen. Um, these Sasanqua camellias can grow in full sun. The Japanese camellias would prefer some shade, maybe morning sun, afternoon shade, if anything. But they do have this uh, sometimes pyramidal shape, but usually it's an oval shape. So it's an odd-shaped plant because it starts out real tight at the bottom, then when you go up to the middle of the plant, it bulges out, and then right on top, it kind of rounds off, kind of like old Santa Claus himself. So <laughs> I guess Santa Claus is sort of an oval, and so are camellias. Sometimes, because they are so girthy around the middle of the plant, that shades out the lower half of the plant, and you tend to see what we call knobby knees and ankles, which means that the stems down at the lower part of the plant really have no leaves, to hide them. You can see those knobby knees. You can see those ankles. And again, all of that can be recovered in late winter or early spring by just starting rejuvenating the plant over. Now, they don't love a lot of cold. Um, so we're kind of the northern part that camellias can grow, zone seven, give or take. But you can be sure to fertilize your camellias during the growing season. Some people think that when plants are blooming, they need the fertilizer. Well, actually, they need the fertilizer before they start blooming <laughs> because they're packing away nutrition, uh, particularly with a camellia, because they bloom when nothing else does, right, over fall and winter. And because it's in this off-season for blooming, they're really storing and building their flower buds over summer. So you definitely don't want to trim a camellia in the summer or in the fall or in the early winter. You want to trim your camellias late in the winter after they've already bloomed or sometime in spring. If we trim them too early, we're cutting off blooms. So don't rush to prune these plants when you prune other plants. 
Uh, but regardless, they do come. The Yuletide is that red and yellow flower, whereas many of these uh, camellias come with ruffled flowers just full of petals. Uh, pinks and whites and reds, those are usually the colors we see or a combination of both. There are many camellias that come with variegated petals so you've got red and pink together or pink and white together or red and white together and there's like the tricolor camellia which has pink red and white all mixed together so camellias being evergreen perfect for the holiday season uh, but also because there's a chance that they'll bloom if the climate the temperatures the uh, everything just lines up just perfectly they may be blooming around christmas day again full sun to partial shade. Just want to mention that. Uh, they can definitely grow in shade. They'll just grow slower. Uh, but don't give the Japanese camellias too much sun. They tend to turn yellow. It doesn't kill them, but they just are permanently kind of a yellow color, an off off green pushing that uh, uh, chartreuse, which is kind of it makes them look sickly. That They're not really in trouble, but they just don't look pretty. Now, Let's go on to something for even more fragrance. But this fragrance uh, comes from the flower itself. I'm talking about a honeysuckle. Now, I want to be clear that when we talk about this honeysuckle, we are not talking about that crazy vine, that um, invasive species, the Japanese honeysuckles that are just creeping, you know, as you're a kid and you're running through the woods and you're pulling off the honeysuckles and uh, sucking out the nectar. This is not the one. This is called winter honeysuckle. Lonicera fragrantissima is its botanical name. But uh, regardless, this honeysuckle is more shrubby. It doesn't climb and creep and crawl. It has woody stems that come off like any other shrub would. Now, the very interesting thing about these babies is that they bloom over winter and they give off that sweet, pleasant fragrance that all honeysuckles tend to have the reality is is that the leaves tend to be evergreen to some degree um we have a honeysuckle in my parents house uh this winter honeysuckle and it's a nice large shrub but it tends to drop its leaves in our winter even though it's extremely hardy four to eight you may have some plants that maintain some leaves and some that just don't but it does really contrast with those gray, drab days of winter that we've talked about for weeks now. Uh, we had some sun this weekend, of course, but, you know, going into other parts of winter, it's mainly gray. Well, when this plant is blooming, and it's usually late winter, that winter honeysuckle blooms, but when it is blooming, it is just filling the air with those pure white flowers, sometimes an ivory, not yellow, but a cream, maybe, if anything, just a touch of yellow. And they're super fragrant. You just walk by the plant and you smell them. You can make the cutting. You can take a cutting, bring it indoors, and it will definitely permeate your house with this sweet honeysuckle fragrance, one of my favorites. But regardless, um, they their use in the landscape can be sort of a, a semi semi um, screen right so if, if you want a plant that is not thick all the time like a conifer an arborvitae a cypress something like that and you want to screen something off these grow quite densely but again in the winter time you can see through it so if anything winter honeysuckle makes a great psychological screen <laughs> it it 
it uh, blocks your view from something, but you can surely see through it and actually see what's on the other side. But you can't deny the fragrance of the flowers. If anything, having one honeysuckle planted somewhere on your property, it is a wonderful plant because it does something that most other plants don't do. It blooms during the cold season. They're easy to propagate too. Honeysuckles in general, you can make winter cuttings. You can make uh, take cuttings that are about the diameter of a pencil, maybe eight or 10 inches long. Just stick them in the ground. Do several of them because they won't all take. Uh, you may use some rooting powder before you stick them in a pot or stick them in the ground. Uh, but you'll find that if you leave them for about a year where they're stuck at, you come back and you'll have new plants growing. So very versatile, very easy to grow. They don't have a, a lot of requirements as far as being particular. Sure, they would like moist, well-drained soil, but it could be chalky soil, clay soil, loam soil, or sandy soil. As long as they don't stand in water, you should find that the winter honeysuckle does well. As far as sun goes, um, full sun is not a problem, and then shady sites are not a problem. But I would rather have it where it gets some sun for sure and maybe uh, some shade, if anything, because the more sun it gets, then the more blossoms you will have. And that is the main reason why we want to grow winter honeysuckle. Now next, let's talk about a plant you can grow indoors, but you cannot grow outdoors. I'll start off by reminding you, uh, last year we went to Hawaii for a family wedding, uh, my sister-in-law's, and there was this strange pine i thought it was kind of like a uh, definitely a conifer and it was very tall very straight and the branches came off of the tree in like these large billows and there were large gaps between the branches i mean it just looked psychedelic almost <laughs> something i've never seen before and i asked a local there who was over the event center at the uh, wedding, I said, what are these trees? And he was, he was a very good gardener. They had a beautiful garden um, around their uh, wedding venue. And I figured he would know, and he did. He said, well, that is Norfolk Island pine. And I was like, are you kidding me? I've only seen Norfolk Island pines at a young age growing indoors because, of course, Norfolk Island pine is essentially a tropical tree. It can only grow in zone 10 to 11 which is way down there, very warm, essentially tropics, right? And so my parents had had a Norfolk Island pine from years ago because someone gave them to it as a Christmas gift. You know, they can make great indoor Christmas trees. They're not your traditional Christmas tree, right? <laughs> but they can make a tabletop. At a young age, they can make a cute little tabletop tree, and you'll see them in garden centers probably this weekend, uh, probably on super, super discounted price being the day before Christmas. They may have some ribbon on them or some bows. But regardless, they do have that real uh, pine texture. They have the, the pine texture. It's not a true pine. We have to uh, admit that. Not a true pine, but commonly we call it a pine. Um, and being sort of a tropical plant, they do like humidity. So having some humidity is going to be a really good thing for it. Um, but you can grow them indoors in the winter and they could live outdoors during the summer as long as they don't dry out in a pot. Um, they would like to have bright light. Like in Hawaii, they were just growing like our oak trees do. Just along the streets, along the roads, 
full sun, bright sun. So when you bring it indoors, give it as much light as you possibly can. Um, the only thing, though, is that you probably, as a Christmas tree, it couldn't handle heavy ornaments, so lightweight horn ornaments or some ribbon and tinsel, it's not a problem for that if you plan to use it as a, uh, a, a true kind of Christmas tree. Um, I think they make great tabletop decorations, the young ones, but my parents, let me tell you the story, we're coming up on a break, but my parents is Norfolk Island Pine. Here's how the story ends. They finally had to get rid of it because it had grown as tall as the ceiling of the house. It never went outside. It completely lived indoors, and so it was quite shady, but we did have it in our sunroom area, and that was a really great space because it was very bright. Well, it loved it where it was, and over the years, we potted it up to the biggest pot we could possibly handle, and my parents said, do you know anybody who may want this because we just can't deal with it anymore? It was pushing maturity. We trimmed the top out once or twice. And we did give it away, and I don't know whatever happened to it. But the Norfolk Island Pine, very Christmas-related. Unusual for a Christmas tree, but maybe check it out this weekend. Great for a house plant. Hang on tight, gang, and more plants after this break. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. <laughs> at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. So, gang, this is our last segment of today's show before you go even further into your holiday festivities. Today we're talking about plants that are quite festive for this holiday, Christmas time. We talked about plants that can be grown outdoors, can be trimmed and brought indoors, things that smell good, things that bloom. We talked about plants that... Um, can really only be grown indoors over the winter because they don't like our cold weather. And I've got a few more of those for you because there's something about growing plants indoors over winter that can help you with your holiday decorating. You know, we always think about getting out the Christmas tree, getting out the garland, getting out the ribbons, getting out the bows, all of these man-made things, ornaments, lights. But we rarely think about the God-made things, right? Things that uh, are produced in nature and are great additions to our festive ornaments and decorations. So one of those is going to be cyclamen or cyclamen, however you like to say it. Now, the cyclamens you normally see this time of year, they're actually 
really just tropical plants. They grow about zone 9 to 11, so they like it very warm. Uh, sometimes they're maybe forced to bloom. Of course, part of the deal is that cyclamens do their thing over winter. Um, but regardless, the cyclamen has these heart-shaped leaves, very small plants. Uh, with their flower spikes, they're probably no bigger. Well, variety can, can vary, but maybe no bigger than 8 or 10 inches tall. Uh, some of them stay very short. And so they have this strange, almost like violet flower uh, that comes up and nods over. Usually you've got pinks and whites and reds, maybe some yellows, maybe some yellows. I have to double check on that. But they do bloom when nothing else is blooming. And of course, since they have to be brought indoors over winter, uh, the cyclamen or cyclamen, they are surely going to give you that Christmas feel. You see them in nurseries, garden centers, and even box stores uh, this time of year. They're in full bloom, so be sure that you're buying plants uh, that have some buds on them so you can enjoy them uh, once you get them home. But again, they are just emerging over the holiday season with these great things. Uh, the, the tabletops, they make lovely tabletop centerpieces. And even though it does prefer uh, these cooler temperatures for blooming, you are going to enjoy, I guess a way to describe it is a butterfly-like petal. And again, white, pinks, and reds. Um, if you don't get them too warm, so don't put them by a heater, don't put them by a radiator, don't put them underneath uh, your air units when your heat is on. Because if they stay cooler, they can bloom for maybe six months or longer. So you can, if you had a cool, a cool room, you know, there's always a room in the house. It's never quite as warm as the others. If you had a cool room, you could probably keep it in there. Um, it still needs the sunlight, so I don't want to say put it in a garage or put it in the crawl space or the basement, right? <laughs> but definitely a cooler spot will encourage uh, that plant to bloom longer. And one of its most attractive features is its leaves. I mentioned they were heart-shaped, but they do have a dark, almost blue-green, in my opinion. Um, but definitely the veins, the veins in the leaves, are sort of this silvery frosted look. So the whole leaf looks silvery frosted with those veins. It looks like winter, folks. And it can be brought indoors. It should be brought indoors. Um, it really doesn't want the um, um, hot, hot temperatures, uh, even though they're, they're hardy to zone 9 and 11. They actually go dormant during the summer. Like I said, the cyclamen, cyclamen, they're going to do what they want to do um, over winter. And then they're going to go dormant once it gets hot. I have some landscape cyclamens that I grew from seed. I did not think I would be successful with them. I believe it's, um, cyclamen heterophyllus or something, but, uh, they're growing them in, in England and, you know, different climate, definitely cooler weather than here in the South. And I saw a British gardening show and I said, oh, I want to try to grow these hardy cyclamens. Well, I didn't know if the seed would even germinate. The seed looked like this strange sort of jelly pouch. It was weird. But you had to put it in cold, put it in warm, put it in cold. I have to do all these things to it. But I got several to germinate. And they grew. And then they were gone. I thought, well, I guess I killed those. They died. So summer goes by that year I planted them. And then all of a sudden, when we get into the fall time, they pop up. There was some of those silvery frosted leaves just right there, boom, right in the container. I didn't throw them out. I thought maybe they're alive, and they were. They just did not want to be in that summer condition. So then 
the next summer comes and they die. I thought, oh gosh, well, I guess they're definitely dead now. Maybe they're overwatered and they rotted. Nope, because the next fall, they just came back. And so here we are. Uh, I've got these tiny little leaves. They're kind of a slow grower, these perennial types. But definitely the cyclamens you buy in the uh, garden centers and nurseries this time of year need some protection. So they're strictly kind of a house plant. If they go outside in the summer, it may be too warm for them. Um, and they'll definitely go dormant, which going dormant is not a bad thing because then you get that surprise like I did. Um, anyhow. Definitely try out these cyclamens. They are very festive this time of year. And who knows, with the way the weather is in the south, you might be able to plant them outdoors and they come back year after year. Don't forget about orchids. Orchids make a great gift. There's one called Phalaenopsis. Sometimes it's called the moth orchid. But they're probably the most commonly produced and grown orchid uh, in our area that I've seen. You'll see them in the grocery stores even, the little florist department at the grocery stores, they have little pots of these moth orchids, Phalaenopsis. I love them because they're hard to kill. They don't need but maybe just a little bit of water uh, per week. Water them once a week, maybe. They grow literally on tree branches and in bark, and so they don't need a lot of moisture, too much moisture on an orchid, particularly these moth orchids, and they will die back. But, you know, the thing about the orchid is that you can sort of force them to bloom. We don't have time to go through that process, but after it blooms once, you trim back the flower spike, maybe in half, just a few inches, and somewhere along the stem, you'll have another crop of flowers. So you could essentially have these uh, indoor orchids growing and blooming all Christmas, all Christmas long, if you time it right. Um, let's see, the, the last plant, let's go back to the landscape now. Those were some good house plants for Christmas, but the last plant I want to talk about, we've talked about before, and I'm going to keep reminding you about them because they are good plants. These landscape plants um, can handle more sun than people think, um, even though probably morning sun, afternoon shade would be fine, or deep shade is just fine, but you get more blooms when you give this plant more sun. They're evergreen. They have huge leaves. The deer don't care for them. They won't touch them, at least as of now. <laughs> Things are changing with deer. But regardless, these huge leaves, and then the flowers come on. The flowers come on in the winter. And of course, I'm talking about hellebore. They're very small, maybe 24 inches when they bloom. Uh, they have multiple different colors and varieties out there, hybrids. Uh, they're very cool plants, and they're essentially a ground cover because they don't get so tall. But regardless, look into hellebores. Again, I've told you about them before. I've talked about the great benefits they have in your garden. Evergreen ground cover the deer hate, and they bloom in the winter. Do I need to say more? Well, gang, I hope you and yours have a great and a merry, merry Christmas. But get out in the landscape once it warms up a bit because we've got a lot of things to get ready for for spring. Well, folks, for New Southern Garden and WRWH, my name is Nathan Wilson, and I hope you stay well and Merry Christmas well, too. See you next week. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. 
Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's News Southern Garden Show.